I think you've got to take other people's judgments with a grain of salt. Like you absorb it into you if it makes sense for you. But if it doesn't, then just let it go because you don't know what is actually driving their emotional and visceral response to you. I mean, that's one thing. You don't want to let your own fear drive you. And then you don't want to let other people's fear drive you. Welcome back to another week with Joyce, the Abundance Coach. You're listening to the Abundance Podcast. This week, I'm sitting down with my good friend and copywriter, Melissa Payne. She officially left the nine to five a year ago and is now slowly ramping up her business and is super excited about that. We talk about her journey and what it's been like quitting the nine to five, what finally pushed her over the edge and what are some of the most important things to focus on when you're trying to build up your skill set, trying to figure out your business. I love Melissa. She's got this very quiet but fierce energy. So don't be fooled. Although she seems unassuming, she is somebody who's incredibly strong, sticks to her guns, and is obviously pretty badass for starting her own business. So this is Melissa. My name is Melissa Payne, and I'm a website and quiz copywriter. I'm Australian. I don't know if you can tell that from my accent. For most people, they'd be like, oh, copywriter, like at an agency or what? Tell me more about copywriting, right? Like, what is it? Because I, I bet a lot of listeners might not know specifically what it is. <laughs> I once had an Uber driver ask me what I do, and I told him, and he was like, oh, I really wanted to get into law. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not what it is. <laughs> copywriting is uh, essentially... There's a couple of levels of definitions, but if like the simplest way to put it is copywriting is writing for businesses. A second, maybe more accurate way is using words to persuade people. It, co- it covers such a huge range of things. Like it can cover websites, it can cover quizzes, which is what I specialize in, emails, anything about how you communicate with your audience. But it's also not just about persuasion. It can be about building that trust There's a difference between persuasion, where the goal is to persuade at all costs, and persuasion where it's more about a conversation and actually honoring someone's agency and decision making. So I try to make sure that everything I do aligns more with the second and not the first. That was part of my figuring myself out, making sure that I was doing that instead of what the kind of um, conventional wisdom is. Basically, you're trying to start up your own business as a copywriter, right? So what were you doing before this? Yeah, I was working in a digital agency for a couple of years. And before that, then I had my exchange year, which was a complete learning experience in terms of learning how to embrace failure. I I actually failed at that uni, um, but it was like the hardest uni in the Netherlands, Maastricht. Mm. Before that, I did another couple of years in-house and before that I did a shit ton of internships so I've been in marketing for about 10 years oh and I've worked freelance before that as well in my uni days I'm very privileged that I am in my late 20s I can do this risk without having you know the impact of kids or anyone else to think about by myself so that gives me the privilege to kind of lean in all in and you know trust myself that it will work out Um, And if it doesn't, I can always, well, it will, because I'll just keep trying, right? I'm really excited 
things are kind of like falling into place, which is exciting when you feel like you've been trundling along just trying to get your shit together. Like, you know, you've been like decisively moving toward it, but it still feels not slow, but steady. Um, So it's all starting to properly fall into place, which is exciting. This has been actually my busiest week for a while. I'm getting clients. (laughs) I'm on your podcast. I I ran a workshop. Um, It's all just sort of coming together. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of myself for getting out of my own way, (laughs) tackling all of those kind of introvert kind of things that also come with nervousness to do with putting yourself out there. I've like kind of I've decided that it's not going to hold me back anymore, and yeah, pretty Mm. proud. Mm. Yeah, and how long has it held you back for? Oh my, maybe not my, probably my entire life in some form. Um, Yeah, it hasn't stopped me from taking chances, but it stopped me from like mm, I don't know. I'm I'm both an introvert and I take kind of wild, kind of risky chances, but being an introvert means that I've had more resistance internally with an inner critic saying you're not ready you're not ready prepare a little more hibernate a little more that kind Mm -hmm. of thing yeah no I mean I think that's super relatable I think a lot of people listening probably feel the same way you know I see that a lot in my clients I do it too all the time and so it's sometimes you just need somebody to be like just do the thing, like yes. do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm really curious as to like, what, what does crazy decisions look like in your world, Melissa? I, I'm just so curious. I don't know. I mean, I decided to travel on my own. The first time I traveled for like, well, actually I went on exchange. Um, but during that exchange, it was a huge priority on my list to actually go traveling and use it as an excuse for traveling. I really like traveling by myself to places, often to kind of far-flung places. So I've been everywhere from the tippy-top of the Arctic Circle to as far east as Bosnia and Herzegovina, and I really want to go even more east. <laughs> Once COVID eventually hopefully sorts itself out, that's where I'm headed. I'm going to be diving more east and I want to go into Russia and Siberia and along the Siberian transatlantic railway yeah. as a goal. That's awesome. So like what, okay, so traveling's one of them. So Else, traveling alone. So is that, you know, because I'm not familiar with, you know, the people you surround yourself with or like Australian culture. So is that a weird thing to travel alone as a woman? Yeah, definitely. Um, Australians like to travel in packs and specifically we like to go in those kind of like buses where you kind of get drunk the whole way and you just kind of (laughs) hop around to like the most conventional places. Like you'll hop from Paris to the Czech Republic and you'll be drinking every night. And it's, it's fun, but I really like doing it by myself. I like not taking it on a tour bus. I like wandering around myself and directing myself, navigating myself, Mm. just with that kind of self-trust that everything will be okay. I mean, I do prep a lot to make sure I'm going to reasonably safe places, as in, although there was one night where I walked, I really shouldn't have walked home in Budapest alone at like 3am. That was probably a bad decision, but we survived. You are still alive to tell the tale. So that is good. So yeah, that's interesting because now there's a little bit 
of this pattern, right? Where you're saying like, you like to over-prepare, right? Yes. Depending <laughs> on the experience. But then when you get there, you kind of go wing it a bit. Yes. And I definitely go all in to like everything I touch. Really? Okay. So yeah. what's an example of something you've gotten all into? I jumped into this whole entrepreneur thing pretty wholeheartedly. Um, I've also went all in in like the beginning of my career. I actually did like 10,000 and I'm not even kidding 10,000 hours of internships. Again, that kind of prep, prepping myself. And it's interesting. It was kind of like a symptom of my feeling insecure or not ready enough to take the leap. So then I prepared and I wanted to get that external validation. But as I'm growing as a human, I'm leaning more into internal validation. And I feel like my prepping is my strength, but I'm not leaning on it in a way that's debilitating. And what at what point would it become debilitating? When it stops you from executing. When you spend so mm-hmm. much time deliberating that you don't actually take those steady steps forward. So it was very important to me that I was always moving forward. I mean, sometimes you can be preparing and you kind of trick yourself into thinking you're moving forward, but you're not. When I came up against that fear, I lent in and I did it anyway, or I published it anyway, or I you know, went for the opportunity anyway. Yeah. And so- I'm sure you see this all around you all the time too. So how have you differentiated between like, am I moving forward? Am I doing necessary preparation? Or am I just lying to myself? You know, (laughs) A lot of trial and error, I think. Um, For a while, I kind of was trying to figure myself out. And that's useful work too, you know, but there's definitely a point where you can work yourself out through actually doing the thing. I think you can tell the difference when you start hmm, trusting in yourself and then when you come up with the discomfort, you feel relief because you've moved past it and there's an actual outcome. Yeah, the outcome piece I think is super important because this is something like I feel like I preach a lot, which is just that like you can prepare as much as you want, but you'll never know how it's actually going to turn out until you do it. And so you can actually adjust based off of real feedback versus imagined feedback. Yeah, You know, so people are like, like you said, getting in their own way. I see it all the time. I have a mentor actually who advocates for just using it as an experiment. Um, Her name's Brie Weber and she's amazing. Yeah, she's such an inspiration because she definitely has lent into her business herself like lent into the fear and she's just kept experimenting and then reiterated based on feedback, always ongoing. It's interesting because it has it's a fine line, right? Because I've read some things that say that too much pressure will kill creativity and will kill innovation. So how do you sort of walk that line, you know? Yeah, there's so much we could unpack with that for sure. But I guess I'm curious about, you know, how you even got this idea to start your own business? Was it experiences over time? And why copywriting? You know, like, yeah, how did this idea form for you? Yeah, okay. So there's two parts of that question. Writing, obviously, is one of my first loves. I saw copywriting as the opportunity to embrace that while making a living. I really really enjoy everything about copywriting. I enjoy the strategy. I enjoy thinking it through. 
I love the actual writing part. I love the optimization. I love everything about it. And in terms of the other part of that question was choosing to start my own business. Yes, that was definitely an accumulative decision. I'd had all of these uncomfortable kind of corporate decisions piling up, taking up space in my head. And I wanted to veer away from that and create my own space where I could be myself. I really, really enjoy being independent and working independently with people. I don't like being under other people's rules and fetters of rules that don't make sense to me. So things that are too stifling tend to make me want to forge my own path, which makes more sense. I guess it comes with also that sense of I was working in corporate and I realized just how incredibly disposable that the companies treated their people. We had a freelance copywriter at our agency and she would send an invoice and she'd get paid like three months later. And it was terrible and she'd have to keep reminding. And then with with clients, we'd just keep burning through them. We didn't have the team to be able to support them like as a client as much as we kind of bullshitted our way through that. We like pretended that we could. I really don't like that. I don't like that lack of transparency. So I really wanted to create my own business where I could be more aligned with my values and actually treat people like humans mm-hmm. instead of numbers. So you were working at the agency and you're like, I don't like this. What was the moment in which you're like, actually, I could do this. Like, why am I still here? Sort of thing. I think it's funny. I think it had actually been under the surface for a very long time. Like this kernel of an idea that I want to do this my way. But it took some time before I realized what that could look like. And so I was at work and I'd be listening to all these podcasts about copywriting and freelance copywriting specifically the copywriter club podcast is really great for that heaps of like advice from all these entrepreneurs and all these people who were making this work and all the leaps that they were taking and so I was just like for six months I was just preparing my exit plan like how am I going to make this work and how how have you made it work did you save up to make the leap I saved a lot and then Yeah, I guess I just banked on myself being able to make it work. And it has worked, honestly. It has. I wouldn't recommend that for everybody because obviously other people have other responsibilities. If you can find a way to make what really matters to you work, you should lean into trusting yourself rather than assuming that other people's ideas are the right ones for you. And and I'm curious, like, what made you trust yourself that much? that you're willing to make that jump? Um, was it just like a feeling or, you know, what was that like? I think it was a slowly deepening feeling of just resilience, like knowing that with trial and error from all these things that I'd been through, that no matter what, I could trust in myself to survive and that I would work it out. You begin to trust that you have the answers within you that you can look deeper within yourself and you'll find the right answer. I know that sounds kind of woo-woo, but it actually is true. Because, I mean, no one can tell you what the right path for you is except yourself. Yeah. No, I totally know what you mean because it does sound woo-woo, but I've also been in that place where I've felt that, right? 
sort of mm-hmm. like taking chances on yourself. Yeah. Or you can't really bet on yourself with zero risk. And I also think I should probably say that leaning into your fear, where your fear is, is actually usually a signal of the thing you most want, right? If you flip it around and think about it in your mind and actually take stock, it's uh, something that you're really drawn to for a reason. I mean, part of you wants that thing and it's a good Mm -hmm. instinct to try to grow from that fear. Mm. Yeah, I wrote this in my recent piece too. It's this idea of when you're afraid of doing something, it's because, yeah, the stakes are high because you Mm -hmm. don't want to lose it. You don't want to screw up your opportunity. You know, some people, they spend their lives avoiding that fear. And that fear is actually what's going to make them level up in a sense. I mean, what's the alternative, right? Like living your entire life basically paralyzed. You're missing out on the things that you really truly want and you're chained to other people's expectations of you rather than figuring out what really would make you happy and honestly challenging Mm. yourself makes me happy it can take away a lot of the cobwebs that linger from other people's judgments and make you stronger to lean more into your own self-judgments and say no this is this is the right narrative for me and Mm. it's true what you believe about yourself impacts the way you function in the world and how you show up. It sounds like, you know, you're just becoming more of who you are. Exactly. Um, by rejecting like the stories that other people have put on you. And yeah. You're like, nope, like I'm not listening to that story, right? Yeah. That narrative. I mean, I can reframe that into a way that makes more sense to me and empowers me to actually move beyond my fear, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't have to actually listen to stories about, oh, you're too shy and you're too quiet. But like, no, I'm empathetic. I care about people. I listen. And that makes me a good business owner, I think. And you're definitely very unique, you know, like even just looking at your website, it's not anything I've seen elsewhere. It's just like very you in, in the way you bring in like historical things too. <laughs> yeah. Or like that yeah. vibe. I'm just like, hmm, that's very interesting, you know. I guess my decision with my branding was essentially, okay, I'm going to be myself as much as I can because there mm. shouldn't be a disconnect between the way you present yourself and the way other people, like when they actually encounter you, how they feel with you, right? So I think it's really mm. important to be yourself because it feels better as mm-hmm, a business mm-hmm. to lean into who you are than to try something else that doesn't yeah, quite fit. Yeah, for sure. And so when when was it that you left the agency? Um, I left the agency, I think, around April last year. Wow. Yes. So one year anniversary, huh? Yeah, yeah. So what's that whole process been like? And, you know, where are you now after all this stuff? You know, what have you learned along the way? Yeah, I think the first couple of months I spent kind of navel gazing, trying to figure it out. I'm sorry, navel got- gazing? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, oh, like your belly a- button? Yes. Have you not t- heard of that phrase before? I, I don't think so. Like you literally just stare at your belly button for a yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a Buddha, like you're like meditating and that like that's where the solution oh. will arise as a blooming oh. lotus. Okay, so you're a fat Buddha <laughs> meditating on life. Okay. I'm following. Yeah, at least for the first bit. I mean, I was kind of I had all these strategies, I knew what I wanted to accomplish. For a while I was just piecing it together. I was unsure what I wanted my brand to be. I did feel that pressure to lean into something else. And so I tested out a few things. And then each time I was like, this isn't 
who I am. This won't work. So there was that. Um, And then I also spent that time skilling up. I would caution anyone who is thinking about taking this entrepreneurial path to focus on the right things. It's not just about the skills, right? What you actually want to work on is having and building that self-trust and resilience and critical thinking so that you can catch yourself when you're shying away from your own fear. That's probably more important. And, And setting those goals too, like having that accountability to act on your goals can be really helpful. I'm part of communities, so I've I joined this thing called the Copywriter Accelerator and I've made friends with all these copywriters around the world and we lean on each other and support each other as we're figuring all this stuff out, which is really helpful. As we grow, we also help celebrate each other's successes. Really good confidence builder to know that you have people on your side who can reflect back at you. Just comrades, right? Comrades in the battle. This is something that I talk a lot about because personally, I, I couldn't have gotten to where I am today without community. And mm-hmm. in in a similar way in that you have copywriters surrounding you, I have fellow coaches surrounding me that we all started kind of around the same time. We had similar problems come up and that showed itself the most when the people closest to me didn't really understand or they kind of doubted what I was trying to do. You Definitely. know, being like, well, what kind of credentials do you have? Or, you know, like what you can just become a coach, like it's that easy, you know, Mm -hmm. like stuff like that, where it's like, they're just concerned, they're worried. But at the same time, they didn't realize how it felt to be on the other side of like, yo, I'm doing this. Like there's that defiance on one side, but there's also like the sadness and the insecurity on the other side where it's like, man, like, are they right? You know, like, can I actually do this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there might be like sadness on their part as well, because they're like, here's this human who I thought I knew, and now they're going in a direction that I hadn't accounted for. Um, So that can be like kind of destabilizing, right? But then Mm. I think you just could have kind of, I mean, you don't owe it to them to be anyone but yourself, but you can gently reassure them that, I mean, you know what's right for you. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. I I don't know if I've ever thought that way, though. Like, I may have in the past, but I've always been somebody who changes a lot and embraces change a lot. Yeah. So it's like every time I video chat with a friend I haven't talked to in months or years, I always have like a million updates and they're just like, yeah, you know, same old. They've expressed to me in the past. They're like, yeah, I kind of dread sometimes getting on a call with you after a while because I feel like it's always different and it's Mm -hmm. exhausting to kind of keep up with. And they weren't saying it out of like, you know, malintent, but it was just sort of like, man, I attribute all of my learning, all of my growth to the fact that I failed a lot and (laughs) I failed very quickly in a short span of time. So Mm -hmm. people who are a lot older than me, who have been on this earth for a lot longer, they haven't learned as much as I have because I've fucked up like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. you know, arguably that's not the best way to learn. But I think it is. <laughs> yeah. It seems like risky, right? To the outside where it's like, man, it's so chaotic, all these things, but I can't have ended up here without that, you know? Yeah. I think there's yeah. something to be said for like fear isn't as powerful when you know why you're doing it. I think it doesn't feel as scary when you're really driven by the purpose of it. Yeah. I mean, other people can't access that internal why 
for you. They only have their own internal why, which is probably what's holding them back. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, maybe not even holding them back. Maybe they're just happy that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But mm. I mean, everybody's different. And I don't think we should be yeah. ashamed of the way that we naturally are. I think that's definitely debatable. Like I've thought the same thing to myself. I genuinely do believe that everybody has capacity to create. Yeah, sure. Some people are happy, like, you know, working the nine to five, all that sort of thing. But I I really genuinely wonder, like, if they were completely honest with themselves, like, is that what they would choose? If you weren't going to lose, like, stop being able to provide for your kids or something, you know, it's like, what would you actually want to do? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the blessings of being a little bit younger. I think there's a certain level of making peace with the decisions that have led you to where you are when you're at that stage. They must be just, they've rationalized that they've done their best and that they've done the right decision in post, like that cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I think is a little sad, but I also, I mean, I don't want to you know, walk all over their parade. That's not even a phrase. You don't want to rain on their parade. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they probably inside do have something that they're like, oh, I wish I could have tried this. Yeah. I think as long as we're conscious of what we want to mm-hmm. do and maybe where we help other people realize what they want to do as well. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoy mm-hmm. being that kind of supportive person for other people, as I know you do. You've made yeah. a career out of it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, this isn't all to say, right? For me, there's never shame. You know, that's not the goal. It's not like, mm-hmm. hey, if you're listening to this, you're working the nine to five, you yes. suck. Like, no, it's like, I'm still in the nine to five and I plan to mm-hmm. be for a while. And to me, it's an amazing place where I've picked up a lot of skills. I've just been so blessed with like such a great corporate environment. Like, yeah, I know. Like <laughs> people always tell me that it's it's not normal, but it's the first company I've ever worked at out of college. And so I'm like, damn, the first one I landed at ended up being like pretty amazing. So I love the people. I love that I'm learning still. So mm-hmm. I'm nothing against the nine to five, you know? Yeah. But really what it is that I want to drive home is that are you being honest with yourself? Exactly. You know, or are you in self-denial? Have you not even asked the question, right? Because a lot of us don't, or are you just lost? You know, you feel like, yeah, this doesn't feel quite right, but I don't know what I'd rather be doing because ultimately how society is set up is very much like, do you fit in these little boxes Like, are you a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or are you like a doctor or, you know, engineer, like all these like categories of things. Yeah. Right. But it's like realizing, you know, even for me, I'm very much a generalist. Like I'm good at a lot of different things, but, you know, master of none. But realizing that that's my superpower because now I talk to people and I'm like, yeah, I handle like all aspects of my business right now. I mean, I just hired a VA, but that's something that not a lot of people can say. And so- you know, in a world that tells you that you have to specialize mm-hmm. or that's how you get to the next level. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, if I had listened to that, I wouldn't be where I am now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you talk a lot about community. What do you feel like that's allowed you to do? Yeah. Good question. Community has allowed me to experiment. I mean, while I was figuring things out, being able to bounce ideas off people and hear their perspectives. 
they were very supportive. Like I would make decisions and it would feel like the right one to me. And they would kind of provide good reinforcement of that it was the right path, the right decision. And they also help push you, right? They provide that accountability. That's the ongoing gift of community. And by community, I don't mean just like networking. I mean like where you give generously of your time Mm. just kind of to be present with the other person and like listen Mm. and share with them without that need. I mean, it doesn't have to be about business. Looking at it more holistically, community has helped me just grow more into who I I am. I think because finding the right people who can see you as you really are, like with fresh eyes maybe as you're reinventing yourself, who can look at you maybe without all those past preconceptions can be really, really empowering because it takes away all the stigma of, oh, you've left that behind. You're someone else, someone I don't recognize. It's more about, you know, who you are now and you can focus on the present and the future. Yeah. Yeah, I know that really resonates with me because I don't know, I just feel it like deep inside me, right? It's like this idea that you're finding people that see you as you are and also encourage you to be who you want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like, I don't think people always realize when they're holding you down, you know? But that's like makes it worse, honestly, because because <laughs> like I realize it. So they might say something like, oh, that's not you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, why would you mm-hmm. try that? Or like, you know, it's not that easy or, you know, things like that, where it's like, do you even realize why you're saying that? It just feels very reactive. Yeah. Although some people might say like, oh, well, it's not like you just want a yes man, yes woman to be like, yeah, chase your dreams. That's not what it is, right? Like Jordan Peterson, he talks about how sanity is distributed, meaning community around you tells you if you're sane or not. And so you're talking a lot about self-trust and it's really figuring out, are these people aligning with where you want to go or are they constantly doubting your internal dialogue? Like they're discouraging you from stepping into that, you know? Yes, yes. That, I think that's such a hugely important distinction. I love that phrase as well. That's sanity. What was it? Sanity is distributed. It's distributed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not about finding people who will agree with you wholeheartedly. It's more about finding people who give you the space to be yourself and try out things and encourage you to be who you want to be. Yeah. And there's definitely a certain element of self-awareness there because, yes. like I said, not a lot of people realize they're doing it, but it's even as simple as like, you know, if I'm telling somebody like an event that happened, you know, them putting a label on that experience and being like, oh, that's irresponsible or like, oh, this is yeah, that. I think you've got to um, take other people's judgments with a grain of salt. Like you absorb it into you if it makes sense for you. But if it doesn't, then just let it go because you don't know what is actually driving their emotional and visceral response to you. It's coming from inside and they've got their own kind of landscape inside them with all of their own Mm. fears and all those invisible things that are molding the way they see you. So you don't really want to, I mean, that's one thing. You don't want to let your own fear drive you and then you don't want to let other people's fear drive you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. What do you do then? You know, like, are you drawn forward by something versus being pushed by fear? Yeah, I think that's what it eventually becomes. I think it's funny. I think it can start off with being fear, like you're pushed away by fear of not wanting to be something, right? 
And then as you gain momentum, it becomes more about those steps and like you're working towards something that's not based in fear. So the fear becomes shed along the way, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. I think Mm -hmm. the more and more you lean into fear, you become better at coping with it. Like you recognize it and say, that's what it is. And I don't have to listen to it. I can feel it and I can be present with it, but then I can move past it. It doesn't have that hold on you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think it's a muscle that you build, right? Because when I first started out, this stuff was terrifying, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, my identity was on the line. It's sort of like, if I fail this, it means something about me. It I realize that you're willing to try and fail. Right. Which is a great strength. <laughs> I told a story, though, right? I told a story exactly. that if I fail, I'm the like laughing stock, mm-hmm. you know, like I tried and, and, you know, brought shame and dishonor to my family, you know, <laughs> that's genuinely how it feels. Right. But now on a day to day basis, you know, sometimes I'm paranoid because I'm like, maybe I'm not afraid enough, which means I'm not growing. But I think my baseline for fear has just increased. I used to be scared just like releasing a blog post, but now it's sort of like, oh man, I could definitely see this impacting this, this, and this person, and they might feel this about me. And so I take all those things into consideration, but at the end of the day, it's more important for me to express, get my message out there, to mm-hmm. impact people positively. Because like even this past week, I released a post about something really vulnerable for me to share, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I was worried that I would be judged for it. Um, but instead... The responses I've gotten are just like, wow, is really powerful to read. You know, part of me knew that was going to happen because I've experienced it before. So it is sort of like that overcoming a fear of like, okay, I've done this before. The fear feels the same. The vulnerability feels the same. And I'm just going to keep walking forward, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think that vulnerability is something that never really goes away, no matter how many times you do it because it's just another form of fear of being seen. But I think your instinct is right, because people are drawn to people who are vulnerable because it shows authenticity. And they might see something in your vulnerability that resonates with something that's vulnerable within themselves. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. that's really powerful, and it should be shared, even if there are naysayers, right? Because there are always going to be naysayers. And the most important thing is that you're connecting with those people who actually find value in it. I mean, that's a really, really valuable thing right? to right. connect one-on-one in that vulnerable way with someone. Yeah. And and I, something I do remind myself of too is like the people who react natively are usually in denial of their own vulnerability. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> and they react to it because they're like, oh, like, why would you talk about that? Or like, put that out there. You know, I've had somebody tell me, like you wouldn't put all your underwear like on the lawn, would you? And I was like, well, it depends on why I'm doing it. Because if Mm -hmm. I'm putting it out there to make a statement or make a point, you know, to show people that, hey, not everybody wears like Victoria's Secret underwear, you know, like stuff like that, where it's like, there's a purpose. And there is, there's effectiveness too. Because Mm -hmm. if people walk by and they're like, what is she trying to say? I, I wouldn't say that's successful creativity. Because I do think part of creativity is expressing in a way that you know your audience may understand. Things are created to be used, to be Mm -hmm. seen. That's part of the art, the craft, to figure out what is a book that people just can't stop turning the pages of, right? Yeah. Um, 
what other how other people will consume it everyone comes comes to it with their own preconceptions and you can't really control that but i think yeah because there's an element of representation like if we are all hiding away our underwear in our houses then then i mean it's not really representative right of our full human experience if they're cloistered inside their house and they never look outside how are they going to know whether they're God, this is going to be ridiculous, but like whether their furniture is upside down, they don't know (laughs) how their life, um, I mean, to an extent, how we feel about ourselves is inescapably reflected about how we feel in relation to others and how they are. So I think we need to be able to see each other more fully. That's the best way to feel comfortable relating with other people in that deeper Mm. way. Otherwise, we're just just always on the surface. I mean, if everyone's hiding their underwear, when do we really get to have real conversations with them? If we have to keep everything so tidy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just a funny example for sure. (laughs) But like, if we take it into the metaphorical, right, this idea of Mm -hmm. airing your dirty laundry, Mm -hmm. it's, it's traditionally been seen as like, oh, why would you do that? You're burdening other people or like, I don't know, like it just seems impolite to air your dirty laundry. But at the same time, it's like, again, sanity is distributed, right? So if you think this perfect thing is normal, Mm -hmm. you are going to be striving for something that is not possible and that's shame-based, fear-based. And instead it's like, oh, okay, well, I get to touch base and see what their dirty laundry looks like. Then that means I don't have to be somebody I'm not, you know? Exactly. it ultimately comes back to that self-trust. Really the theme I feel like of our conversation today is just sort of like being more of who you are and not what society says you should be and community. The community that you choose is so important because you can choose the wrong community too. Yeah, exactly. You could accidentally choose a community that forces you to keep all that laundry inside and then Mm -hmm. you have nothing to really grow with because you're kind of hiding your full self you can't really test and grow yourself if you're too ashamed to be who you really are yeah yeah and you might appear like you're growing because it's like I've appeared to do the same things in the past that I am doing now but the difference was that I was doing it to be somebody instead of just being who I am <laughs> yeah you know? I think the key difference is whether it's just external growth or whether it's internal growth too because internal growth is the most satisfying I mean sure external growth can be kind of validating and kind of cool to get other people uh seeing you take that action but internal growth is where that self-trust grows and that's the foundation for you to be able to do that external growth in a way that's mm-hmm. actually aligned with what you want if that makes sense. That was a big ramble. (laughs) No, 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 totally. Like I sort of see it as like, if you start externally, it's sort of like renovating a house that doesn't have a firm foundation. And so Mm -hmm. like in a few years, it just sinks into the ground or whatever. You got to work on the foundation first, which sucks because it probably is most expensive to fix, but nobody can see it. (laughs) So for a while, it looks like you're not doing anything at all. (laughs) Exactly. And it's so crucial because otherwise you'll end up with this superficial mess instead of having something that feels deeply satisfying and strengthening. Right. 
like it's rooted, you're aligned Mm -hmm. and you're grounded, right? There's more confidence in that too. It's just consistent. Yeah, definitely. Um, So as we sort of wrap up, um, I want to know, you know, given your experiences this past year, you know, like what would you recommend for people who are considering leaving their nine to five, what they should focus on, or what would you tell an earlier version of yourself? Yeah, I think I would tell an earlier version of myself that things don't have to be perfect. Like you don't have to have everything perfectly sorted out as much as you think you do. It's okay to be imperfect and iterate. So I think I would tell myself it's okay to wing it a little bit, maybe a lot even, just as long as you're developing those self-trust muscles, that's the most important thing that you can do. I mean, there are skills you can learn and sure, that's important too, but the most important thing that you can build and get your head around now is who do I really want to be and how can I make sure that I'm showing up in that way consistently rather than letting my fear deter me or take me off track. And maybe that fear is pointing to something that can be really helpful for you on your journey as well as you grow more into yourself. So think about that. Think about what is my fear really trying to tell me? Wise fucking words from Melissa Payne. What is my fear really trying to tell me? You can listen to this podcast at a surface level and think to yourself, man, okay, yeah, that that is a really good question to ask. But then just move on with your day, right? And honestly, that's kind of what I was doing as well when I was editing this episode. But I woke up this week and I was just fucking anxious. For those of you that have anxiety and depression, you know that the world feels like it's fucking ending. And you also simultaneously know that it's not ending. So you kind of just have to ride out the panic, ride out the fear. So as I was editing... I asked myself that question, what is my fear really trying to tell me? And ultimately, I think it's trying to tell me that although I have some things figured out and I'm further along than some people, it's still okay to not know what I'm doing, to pivot, to start something brand new. And as I weigh so many different topics and ideas and meeting new people, all of these experiences are are shaping my path. So as you listen to this, I want you to ask yourself the same question. Where in your life are you avoiding things where you're feeling anxiety or maybe fixating on it? How can you take a step back and ask yourself, what is that fear? What is that anxiety teaching me about myself, about what's important to me? What is that fear trying to tell you? If you're curious to learn more about what Melissa does, you can check out her Instagram or her website at Story Scout Digital, which are both linked down below in the show notes. If you are a ethically driven entrepreneur or creative entrepreneur, definitely check out the free quiz that she's just released, which helps you to find your brand voice to get aligned in your branding and your messaging so you can come across as who you really are. From working personally with Melissa, she's an incredible copywriter, a great listener and friend, and has really allowed me to tap into my own voice. It's pretty hard sometimes to come across authentically, And she has really helped me do that. 
that's it for this week. Again, it's not too late to leave a review on iTunes. It helps out a lot. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do that at gotabundance.co slash boba. I also had this internship way back where the HR manager literally told me, because um, my hair's curly, she's like, you need to straighten your hair. You need to wear more makeup. You need to wear stockings. You need to wear a skirt and high heels and preferably wear jewelry, like a watch that looks expensive. My reaction was silent horror and <laughs> intense feeling of, oh my God, I need to get the hell out of here. So <laughs> I don't, um, I really like working. <laughs>